Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're chatting with one of television's most busy comedy writers, Anna Dresden. In addition to being head writer at Saturday Night Live, Anna worked on Girls 5 Eva and Miracle Workers. She's currently show running Praise PD, her animated comedy for Freeform, which she is co-producing with Greg Daniels. Welcome, Anna. Welcome, Oh my God, I am a big fan of this show. I'm very shy right now. <laughs> I'm being shy. I feel shy. <laughs> um, thank you so much for having me and thank you for um, the podcast. It's been so great to hear two full um, daddies talking about their process. Um, so thank you. Well, you're welcome. I don't get what that means, but thank you. <laughs> you. You know what it means. Don't act. Don't act like you don't. It's such a compliment, Anna, for us, for you to like have that admission of like, I'm feeling vulnerable and shy on this show. Cause like, I'll speak personally. I feel kind of the same way. Cause like, I love your work and I've followed you on other shows and I love your writing. So it's kind of a love fest. Like it's a really, it's really fun to have you on the show. Oh my God. Let's all just schmooze for an hour. Okay, and then- <laughs> I think that's what people need to hear right now. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> well, that's where the show came from. Yeah, before, exactly. It's kind of true. Before we dive into the show, we're going to talk about our weeks or what we call adventures in screenwriting. Anna, if you're up for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my All God. Right. I'm a part of it. Oh my God. You are. We'll let Lorian <laughs> go first. Show us how it's done. Lorian, how was your week? My week was uh, good. I worked on my pitch. We hired an artist for the pitch deck because it's an animated show and you need to bring art to an animated show pitch. Um, so I'm very excited about that. I've worked with this artist before and she's just amazing. So I can't wait to see what she's going to do with these new characters. Um, and, you know, working on the pitch, refining it, simplifying it. Every time I sit down to write, I realize, oh, wait, that's too complicated. Or I can simplify that complication in this other way. So I'm really excited to have a deadline so that I can know that when I have to stop doing that. Um, but the goal really is for this pitch to be short, like 12 minutes. I want to keep it very high level. It's complicated because it's a big world with a complicated setup, but I'm going to try to focus on character as one does. Um, the other thing that's come up this week is I've done this thing several times where I'm working on a show idea. I'm noodling with a pitch and then I, maybe I put it aside and then uh, six months later, the show comes out some other slightly similar version of it, but thematically exactly what I was doing, same setup. So that happened, that happens about once every year. And um, my husband was like, oh, hey, did you see this show? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's that other show I was working on. So this could be devastating, but it's not because one, this shows me, I know what people want to buy. I was so going to say, it's I kind of a good happen, sign. Yeah. I happen to sort of be connected to the other thing is I need to get my shit in gear because I noodle on these ideas and I don't fully commit to them. And then I don't take them out. And then another idea, some other person's like, Hey, I have this idea. And there is never any stealing or someone overheard me. Ideas are all out there. Like none of the ideas I'm pitching or, or thinking of are like oh, groundbreaking. You know, it's 
it's a setup, you know, but, uh, and my show would of course be different because I am a different writer, but it's sort of reassuring in a way that, um, I know what is out there. I know what people want to buy. To be fair, these are pitches and not scripts that I've written. And I know that experience can be a little challenging when you oh, see. We've, we've written the whole yeah. script and then it's. Yes. Yes. That's how I was. That's how I was like, oh, I, I do deserve to be in Hollywood. I am connected to the zeitgeist and I can figure this out. The lesson, though, is uh, do the work, dumbass. Uh, as I say to myself, <laughs> our new instead of like, yeah, our new t-shirt, do the work, dumbass. So that was my week. And then the usual, you know, nonsense, lizards, dead lizards, dying, my dog killing them in the backyard. Before we started recording, Anna was telling us about her ferocious <laughs> Jurassic dog killing lizards in the backyard. So Anna, how was your week? I mean, it's hard to remember after seeing my princess angel who sleeps on my feet um, murder a helpless, two helpless lizards. She's been chasing them since I've met her and I've never seen her catch one. So I'm, I'm living in the post, um, lizard world. Uh, uh, this week is good. I, I was moving. I had like a lot of life demands this past few months while also working. Um, so I I always feel guilty when I'm like, Oh no, I had to focus on a life thing instead of just work. Like, I think it's, it's good. I think it living in LA, it's kind of coming from New York. It's nice to remember, like, it's okay to do a life thing. Um, so yeah. And we are in, we have a long room for my show. I think we, we have 28 weeks and I think we're in week 18 right now. So we, um, yeah, we are, we don't have any table reads this week. We have a couple buffer weeks built in. So we're kind of, um, working on to record drafts for the fifth and sixth out of 10. And then next week we'll read the seventh episode and we are, we'll have a meeting in two days, kind of repitching a mini arc. Is this too granular? No, I love it. Oh God. You ever feel yourself get granular and you're like, is this okay? Um, <laughs> yes. Every, <laughs> every day. day in my writing. Oh my every God. My I'm getting granular right now. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, so we we had an initial idea of how the run up to the season finale would be, and the network said that feels like it is a little early to undo, or it was too upending of the status quo. So we kind of uh, wrote a couple more episodes, and now we're looking. We're going to talk to the network on Wednesday to repitch them a new sort of plottier because we're kind of it's like a semi-serialized lightly serialized is how we pitched it and um but it's still a comedy and it's an animated show so we wanted to we want the funniest ideas to kind of be able to be the ones that we do episodes about um but there is you know the end of a season there's going to be some plot elements so we have a new run up to the end that we like that was very repetitive someone needs to go back in and edit and make it sound smart Literally the right, if there's a process, yeah, this is, if there's a show in a podcast audience to like nerd about (laughs) season structure with, like you chose the right one. Oh my God. Everyone just sat up bolt upright in their cars while driving. (laughs) Well, but I think it's so interesting that you're writing some, some are already being written and then you're pitching the end, like all at the same time, like that, you know, just for people to understand that about a show, like it does happen. Like a guest who came on recently said he got lucky and they wrote all eight of this 
series before they started and, and went forward into production, but that's not always wow. how it happens. Yeah, no, I, I had sold the script and they were like, so can we just start producing it? And I was like, oh no, we're like kind of world building. And I, I want, I want to have a room to like decide um, it's about a cult. And it was like, we need to figure out what the, what's their religion and why, and where did that come from? And like, what was the secret sad past of the person who started this religion? And like, um, so we, if you read the version we recorded and also read the very first script I ever turned in, you'd, it would be a little bit hard to pinpoint what is so different about it, but it was like, um, we, we just, it was kind of a cellular level thing. Um, but yeah, we, we, um, it's, it's interesting to be on a season of something running the room, uh, when normally it's like, I, I coming from SNL, you kind of just, it's that week and it's all there and you can write about whatever you're interested in, in that exact moment. And it either goes on TV or goes in the garbage and then you start over, um, which is exhilarating, but yeah, it's been a different kind of pace, uh, to, it's just weird. It's like, Oh my God, it's all still here. Um. <laughs> Have you liked it, Anna? Cause I, I know you come back on Monday, good. you come back on Monday and you're like, Oh no. Yeah. It's not all, it, it either goes in the toilet or the TV toilet. So it's like, it goes in one of two toilets. Sometimes it goes on the internet toilet only. Um, it's interesting, Anna, because I've heard like there's some kind of joke writer, sketch writer, folks who transition into long form or scripted seasonal, and they kind of miss like the punchy one week go for the week. And then it's nice to hear you've like kind of loved the long road. Yeah, I I also I come from a very nerdy, plotty background, like I adored Lord of the Rings in high school and um, was a big fan fiction that was like the main thing I read. I really didn't touch a book for years. It was just fanfiction.net. Um, like I love, I have big love for like plot stuff and genre stuff. Um, so that's been fun to kind of be able to dive into that. Um, and then like, because it's a comedy, like we can, like there are still parts of it that play sketchy and the dialogue is still really kind of joke dense. Um, so all, all of the itches are being scratched is the worst way I could have said that. Um, That's so great. I, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun. I, I, and I, I feel like I kind of got the short form stuff out of my system. I was there and was able to do a lot of things that were really fun. And now it's, um, it's fun to step to the next level, next Next level. level. You ever just like listen to yourself talk from the perspective of an unknown person who hates you. That is what I do all day. And it's not good for you. I don't think. But no, it's not good. Here we you. are. You assume <laughs> to yourself as a person who's your friend. No, yeah, I, I don't your either. Audience hates you. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> no, I know. It's some survival mechanism that was built into us. I don't yeah. know when and by who, but I don't. Or maybe it's just also females. Maybe it's built in culturally. Yeah, it's the culture. That's it. Let's just we blame it on it the culture, not we, our parents. We figured it out. Else. Yeah, no, no, it's no. All about the culture. <laughs> Um, just really quickly, my week, um, I'm very tired, um, uh, which, you know, it happens sometimes you burn the candle too many ends and, uh, but it doesn't mean you don't have to go to work. You still got to go to work. You still got to churn it out, have, uh, great ideas though. Our guest last week said 
a good day is to have one good idea. And I've been really relying heavily on that because uh, uh, I'm tired. But I'm also interested in the balance between that you have to use both sides of your brain. We talk about this, the intellect and the dreamer and how you, especially when you're tired, you can get a little out of whack one way or the other, right? Like, like when you're only working on the kind of dream part of the writing, it's to me, it's like listening to my teenager tell me his dream, like his literal dream from the night before, where you're like, I don't know what any of these metaphors are. This is just incident. You're not even actually in it. Like there's no character want, like, it's just like, and then a frog came out and the frog talked to me and you're like, what? I don't, this is just so random metaphor. I don't, I don't, there's no intellect at all. Um, sometimes my writing feels like that where I'm like, I don't even know what this is. Where are we going? What is this? Is this a good metaphor? This is just incident shit. This is just another incident. This is just another conversation. And then sometimes I'm so, which is where I'm right now, my intellect takes over too much because I think I'm tired. So it's, you know, and then it just doesn't like, have you ever done those? You've gotten notes, you've spitballed, you've come up with stuff. And then you're like, trying to make it work because that's what you decided the answer was, but it's yeah. not, but you've so lost the dream part of it. The, the kind of undescribable where, where is this coming from? I don't know part of it that you're just not emotionally attached and all of a sudden, and I could just be that I'm tired, but I'm finding myself not emotionally attached and I'm like, shit, <laughs> why wow. is it just that I'm tired? Is it that my intellect is trying to shove something and make it work? Is it that um, that I'm tired or I've lost all the pieces I, that go together. I'm just going to throw can get... this out there, Meg. Yeah. I think you're tired. I think, I think you're tired. I think I'm tired. <laughs> just, I mean, I'm very lucky. Yeah. Like when you work in animation, because, and I would think a comedy room would be somewhat similar. Even if I am up in my intellect and tired, you have other people throwing those dream pieces and the ideas. So it can help you get back into it. It can help you be like, okay, for the next hour, I'm just going to forget that there's no goal of this scene and let's just have fun and and spitball and they're giggling and laughing and trying to make each other laugh and drawing shit. And it does really help you um, get back. Oh, you're like, okay, yeah, right. This is fun. And this let's just do the dreaming part. But I just think for our listeners, especially emerging writers, that's kind of also part of the process, even when you're a quote unquote, a pro, that sometimes you can get out of balance and you're way too far in your intellect and you need to go play and to me, it's an everyday thing of, of sometimes it can be the whole script where I'm like, oh my God, this is so intellectual. Like, where's the fire? Where's the emotion? Where, why I stopped caring somewhere in here, what happened? Um, and then you got to go back and find out um, what, what the seeds are to get back into it. Um, and maybe just journal write or whatever. Anyways, but I might just be tired. Um, but I think that's just a normal part of the process. But let's get on to our guest. I related to all of that very much. Oh, good. But, <laughs> Not just yeah, me. That was a great way of describing it. Yeah. Um, Anna, we always like to hear, our listeners love to hear how people break into the business. So what is your story? Um, my story is I did the sort of acting to writing pipeline that I, uh, yeah, I kind of did like in high school and then went to NYU for acting. And then the program I was in at NYU also taught writing and collaboration um, and directing and design and kind of taught how to talk to other departments, which was like um, 
kind of amazing. And a lot of people who went to this program are still kind of working, um, in the industry, which is neat. Um, and, uh, started doing improv and stand up during and after school, and then wrote for the site Reductress, which is a satire site while also auditioning and performing and, um, got asked to submit a packet for SNL and did and got it, which was fun. What's a packet? Like, what does that mean? Oh yeah. Sketch packet is a collection of three to five sketches that show a range of different, um, like you do a commercial parody and a character sketch and a evergreen, forget what the breakdown is. Um, yeah, you just want to show like, it's kind of like a, a sample right, or a portfolio. Range. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, can I ask Anna, sorry, I'm like a nerd for SNL. Like do people submit for sketch or for update? Like, is there like a joke version packet where you're looking to get staff for update or a sketch version packet where you're looking to staff for sketches? I, I'm not entirely sure how update, if there's like a specific, I think a lot of the time it's like standups or people like there's, there's also, there's fewer update writers. So they're kind of staffed up a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, there are times where people submit a sketch packet and then they're considered for update. You also, as a sketch writer at SNL, you can submit update jokes, but it's it's such a specific skill that like there's people who are great at it and then everyone else. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. There's such a difference between an okay joke for update and an amazing joke. And like, um, it, I sometimes I would send them in, but I was like, I can't. I, I can't do this to them. Um, but yeah, I, I, most, I think most people who submit it's either just for sketch or they audition, um, and then will be considered as a writer. Um, yeah. Can you, can, who asked, you said I got asked, who asked you, how did that request come to you? Um, so there are times where head writers or other people at the show will solicit packets from people that they have been following from different places. Um, Chris Kelly knew me from, he was a head writer for a while. He had this amazing movie, other people and the other two, um, he asked me to submit, I think he knew me from reductress and, or like UCB adjacent circles. Uh, so yeah. And there's the, the whole process of submitting packets is something that is like it, it, you do it for other late night shows, too. And it was like you kind of knew over the summer, like, oh, this is the time of year where all everyone I've ever met is submitting an SNL packet. What's the point? They're all funny. They're all like I never took any of the sketch classes at UCB. So it was like I like I still to this day don't really think of myself as a sketch writer, even though I just did that for a while. <laughs> just How many years? This, five and a half. Yeah, you might be yeah. a sketch writer. Yeah, I think you no. might be a sketch writer. I don't know. <laughs> I think I might be a sort of an, an intern. Uh, I don't know. Um, God. <laughs> um, how, how do the writers and the performers work together uh, in an environment like Saturday Night Live? Like, what is the writing process like? It's really pretty open. Like, there is no... Um, this is something that I think is tricky to adjust to that. There's no one who's going to be like, um, these people will be writing together this week and 
it's, it's really just like I, you're chatting with someone and something comes up or like, um, if you have an established person that you write with a lot of the time, which like, I think coming into a new place, you kind of, you don't know who that person is yet, but once you have, um, some chemistry with somebody and you could pitch ideas to them and say like, Oh, this might be good for this person or, um, and cast members will come in and they write also and, um, characters that they've done before, like new people will a lot of the time write a sketch in their first year. That was a character from their audition. Um, and it really, it, it like, it's such a wild process that I still am like, wait, how does it work? I don't like it. Um, <laughs> I would just come into the, the, my, that was Allison Gates, my wife, who we would write together, not my actual wife, but, um, I, I wish this, I'm so uncomfortable talking about my work. I'm sorry. What, who made me come on a podcast where I talk about my work? Was it me? Did I beg? Um, <laughs> so again, I'm just picturing the person who hates me and is like, Oh God. Cause there are people like who go, have you seen like on TikTok? There are people who like, writers who've been in the business for a while who are like and so here's the way that things work in this comedy room and I it just I I fear sounding like that um but it's yeah, cool. you sound like a regular person a regular real person that was the aim I appreciate yeah. that yeah it's that process of you're in it you're in it and then someone asks you how does it work and you're like um we get that right how does it work at Pixar describe story at Pixar and it's like <laughs> um well, mm. one, two, three, four, but the reality is that there's a lot of mess in there and a lot yeah, of interpersonal yeah. stuff and events happen and, you know, it's like readjusting constantly. So it's hard to really say this is the process. Right. I just, yeah, like there'll be things that are just ideas that you have. And then there'll be things like, oh, this massive news story just happened. And I had this idea about it, or we should do something about it. And this cast person could play someone like that. Um, or we have this host coming in and they're part of that show. So we should do a, that show parody or like, Oh, this in two weeks, we have a British host and this would be funny for a British person or like this person sings, or, um, this person has insisted on tap dancing. Like there are different things that are kind of, uh, it's, it reminds me a lot of like project runway and top chef where it's like your challenge this week is to make this plate delicious. Um, <laughs> it's very much like I that's probably why I love those shows because there is a satisfaction, right? Of like, look, it finished, you know, because yeah. I've never done the weekly thing. And so it's always like these long, you're on for so long, just trying to do the same. And that finally I'm like, you know what? They made the dress, it walked the runway. Congratulations. I just love yeah. the finishing of it. Absolutely. And sure, the hem was a little bit loose in the back, but it showed promise. That's right. <laughs> we're, it's not, we're not looking for America's next best seamstress. Okay. We're looking for designers. Anna, can I ask, we, well, you listen to the show. So, you know, we talk a lot about like the emotional experience of being a writer. And I don't know if you've heard Megan Lauren, like change the way I process notes by putting language to this experience of being like your initial reaction when you get notes is to say, fuck you. And then you move to like, oh my gosh, fuck me. They're right. I'm a terrible writer. But eventually you say, what's next? But at SNL, you have like a week. I mean, like the table read on Wednesday nights, like I've heard stories of sketches just bombing in the room. And I don't think I would have like the emotional fortitude to like walk through that crucible. Like, did you did you learn a lot of that at the show? 
I've actually never had like any emotionally complicated feelings about writing, so I can't participate. <laughs> or had a sketch bomb. Like you've no, never, yeah. never had a sketch bomb. I think actually everything fine. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because like we like before COVID, the table read was everybody kind of sat on each other's thigh. You know, like when your thighs are touching people on both sides, it was just like that, like a hundred people <laughs> around a table. And so when something was bombing, it was just like did an insane man design this torture to hurt me? <laughs> like I just, there's nowhere to go. And you're just like staring at your crotch. Like I wish I were dead. Um, but then because of COVID it was more spaced out. So if something was bombing, you could just kind of watch it from above, like a, like it was a surgeon, um, doing something. It just became a little bit funnier. Um, <laughs> you see everybody's spaced out and there's like COVID officers there to like watch your stupid idea eat shit. <laughs> so it's like very funny. <laughs> um, it's a little bit more room to breathe, but uh, yeah, the, I, I mean, like, I think coming from a performing background, SNL make a little bit more sense just because like you're all ultimately like there's notes and there's different considerations, but like if it's, getting a lot of laughs, then you kind of know, like that's your ultimate boss is if people are going ha 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 with their mouths or not. Um, and I think that kind of, that always simplified things where it was like the, the way for me to have the easiest week at work is just to be as excellent as possible and crush because then things will be easier. So all I have to do is get a little bit more talented and <laughs> amazing and genius because it's not enough I mean, to just do a <laughs> I feel like that's pretty solid advice. Like just be amazing. Yeah. Easy, everybody. So Easy. there you go. That's that there you go. I'm just gonna because I literally thought day. that this morning about myself. I was like, just make just be amazing. You know this doesn't work. Just be where's just be your amazing self, which of course is not happening at all. Just, <laughs> you gotta go to bed. <laughs> But it's just part, no, it's not because I'm tired. It's just part of the writing process where you're like, this whole thing I wrote, I don't, I don't, it doesn't work. Oh yeah. Shit. Yeah. It's what you were talking about. The like intellect versus dreaming. I had that all the time where it was like, okay, well this part, we need to change this. Cause that was confusing or like, this was the note, or you need to lose two minutes from it, which is like the, the considerations that are, that will help the audience have a less or just a better reaction to what you're doing. Um, and it's not as intuitive and it's not as fun as like when you're crying, laughing and writing down what your friend just said. <laughs> That's yeah. That doesn't feel as fun when you're like, so Oh, to, so when you're in the room, Saturday Night Live, you can tell, right. The read if it's funny or not. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you it gets on the air or it doesn't when you're running a room with TV writers, there are certain things that you can't do right? Because of whatever reasons. And so if people send out ideas, how do you as a showrunner sort of redirect that energy? Because it must be so different than Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live is yes or no, right? Pretty clearly. Or yes, well, needs yeah. work. keep yeah, going. Like, but in a room, you can't say that's not going to work. That's not funny enough. You have to like manage into that to get people. Yeah. Well, SNL is like an, it's also like cheer. I don't know if you watch cheer, but it's like you make Matt and just because you made Matt doesn't mean you're going to Daytona, you know, like it's, you can get knocked out. Um, a girl can fall from the ceiling and splat, you know, like, so, um, so you're uh, sort of, so you can, there's like for your job every week. Yeah. yeah. And well, also like throughout the week, you kind of, it can make it to dress, but then get cut after dress, but then it could make it to air, but then get cut for time. 
Um, so it's, you, you never quite, it's a series of yeses. Um, but yeah, like in the room, I think I like to use fear and shame as like a motivator because it is so, um, <laughs> like instinctual and people really feel people really respond to being told they're stupid over and over and over again. Yeah. Well, it's like, I can say a lot of things that dance around it, but then like, if I just say, why would you pitch that? And then wait, that person will then correct their behavior in kind of a permanent way. And in ways that don't even aren't part of the room too. Like they'll do it in their life. They will change. <laughs> um, I think we do need to say that you are joking. I'm joking. You have oh, good God. delivery. Yeah. yeah we just good. need Thank to you. say like, that's not what you really do. Is okay. Talk about what I'm, you really do. <laughs> I'm ready for a bunch of shy writers to ruin my life at any moment. Um, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. Like I, I think. It like, I was just talking about this with my boyfriend the other day that like you, the fear is like, if I don't point out the things I don't like, then they'll, they won't know what to pitch or they'll keep pitching bad things or the show will be bad. But it's like, people kind of know when what they've pitched isn't quite hitting because people are smart and they, they already want to do well. Um, and people take pride in their work. So like, I think the room we're running is very much, we should all be pitching stuff we love and think is funny all the time. Ideally, like people know the show pretty well at this point. So they kind of have a sense of what belongs, what doesn't, but like, we want people to feel um, empowered to take a huge, insane swing sometimes. <laughs> right. And like, I, I think part of, I just, I like the writing process. I like hearing people pitch stuff. I like the sort of nitty gritty problem solving. I like figuring out ways of applying notes. I like the sort of, I like recording actors. It's just like all of it's fun for me. So like not all of it, but I actually love notes. They make me super horny. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, thank you. I love that you said that. Um, but like, I think the main way to, it's, it's just like this is bad to say it's just like dog training, but it's like you, you do positive reinforcement and then the stuff you don't like, they'll know, like, don't just don't respond to it. Like, uh, the, we're all naturally trying to do the right thing and pitch fun stuff. You don't have to worry about people unintentionally trying to pitch bad stuff. And then like, there are times where it feels like, where it's felt like, if the room is pitching on stuff and getting really excited about something that I don't fully get, I will always try to let it play out because like, I'm not the only person who's going to be watching this show. And like, it's true that I don't have that like live audience anymore while we're pitching, but you do have a group of 10 people and that is more than one person. So you're more likely to get something that an audience will respond well to if there are 10 people who are into something. Um, sometimes actually, it, oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I, we actually had a, a, a listener question about that. Carrie asked yeah. about when you're writing a spec comedy, and it's either you or just you and your partner. Um, you know, and I, I don't know because I've never been in a comedy room, but in animation rooms, it can feel like this. Of course, it's getting better and better because there's 10 brains taking it through and you know, if you, we've got so many jokes coming at you or, or, or pitches happening, 
So when you're writing your own thing and it's just you, do you have any advice to getting it that good? That that you know that 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 kind of quality level when it's just you versus a whole room of people coming up with it. Yeah, I haven't written a ton of specs, so it's hard. Like I think my process with this was like, I think write something you're obsessed with and really excited about because that always comes through, you know. Um, as long as you're being a good tour guide for the thing that you're obsessed with, like you're making sure that the parts of it that are, um, like, it's not just, you don't want it to be like your son telling you his dream. Right. Um, but (laughs) you don't want to be the breathless five-year-old at a party talking about dinosaurs. Um, but like, you know, uh, pick something you, you think rules. Um, And then something I, this is something I learned at SNL is like the best writers there would always read stuff out loud after they'd written it at like kind of at every phase. Like if we had just gone through and like, we're all laughing, we write it out, we kind of, okay, you read that, I'll read this and go through and say it out loud because someone's going to ideally say it out loud at some point. Yeah. That's Um, great, great advice. And the other thing that I always do is just make sure that it's entertaining to read on the page. Like, um, not being, I think this was a, I, I loved the, um, episode last week, um, like not being too desperately cutesy, but like, just, you know, someone's reading this, they read a lot of scripts. You might as well make it like entertaining in some way. If you can, I guess the advice is be more talented. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I I did it as a joke before and now it's, um, just advice. (laughs) But that speaks to craft, right? That speaks to like, learning, getting better and better and looking at other scripts that you like and like, what are they doing and listening to other writers talk, right? It's just learning. Yeah. Like the script that you spent all this time going to coffee shops and meeting up with like writing groups and stuff and like spending a ton of intellectual energy on it is going to ideally be something that someone watches for fun without an incredibly critical eye. So just remembering that it's entertainment ultimately. I think too, what's so smart about that is like the advice of like, write about something you're obsessed with. In some ways that is our voice, right? Like our interests and our passions and like your obsession with Lord of the Rings fan fiction probably (laughs) meant you could have written really good Lord of the Rings fan fiction because your voice is all cooked in there already. So I think like that probably shows up in your action without having to be cute because you love it. Right, right, exactly. Like the stuff you're interested in whoever says interested people are interesting I'm paraphrasing but like you you don't have to don't spend too much time guessing what other people want to hear about um yeah and like the thing the thing you've been kicking around for a while um also like ask friends I would say like the main thing that has helped me is like having five options and picking one and then kind of having a backup in case things feel weird like and run it by a friend uh and don't worry too much about knowing your own voice because that's not for you to know. That's for other people to notice. Um, if you're just if you're writing about stuff you are obsessed with, it'll it'll be your voice, like you said. Yeah, I, I totally think that we talk a lot about voice, and I think it's what are you obsessed with, what do you care about, what makes you laugh or feel sad, or you know what's your point of view, um, and it comes across on the page but you have to be willing to go there, to do that, to trust that what you're writing about, you love 
instead of, is someone else going to love this? Exactly. Yeah. Cause that's just like nervous person at a party, like trying to guess what a person wants you to talk about. Um, yeah. That's pretty much how I feel. Nervous person at a party trying to figure out constantly, constantly. And see, and then I'm, like, I'm big talker over sharer at a party, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah. I'm so hilarious. And then I walk away and I'm like, oh my God, I'm just following the biggest post party shame hole. I don't remember. I do what that. I, said, I do both. I, I do both. I, I get it on both sides. What I said was <laughs> absolutely ridiculous, and I probably was like the horror show person of like, "Oh my god, did, did you have to talk to that Lorian person? She was so like, blah blah blah." So yeah, shame. Post party shame hole. Put it on a T-shirt. Sell it in your merch <laughs> store. I've never heard a perfect encapsulation of how I feel all the time. Post party shame hole. <laughs> The, show, the hole has already, already been, you know, like dug out of the ground and just bloop, right into it. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I oh didn't. I wish I had more. Um, I don't know. In my real life, I wish I had more of a sensor that you do sometimes on the page. But when I don't turn my sensor on when I'm writing is when the good stuff actually happens. When I just let myself do party Lorian, you know, and just blah, blah, barf it all out. That's <laughs> when I actually have good stuff. So it's like the party version of me is trying it on how it feels out loud. And then I. I write it down. Wow. Yeah. I relate to that too. Because of all the parties I go to these days. Oh my God. None, you, none parties. Blocks. You no guys parties. can't see my... it, but she's wearing a party hat right now. <laughs> yeah. And Woo! she's wearing a tie on her head. Yes. Clown, she's... full clown makeup. Full clown. Well, my daughter did ask me, who are you talking to down there all the time? Because <laughs> I talk to myself while I write and I read it out loud and I act it out. And I was like, Oh, I'm just acting out my script. She's like, yeah, I can hear it all the time. Like you need to go back to school. Oh my God. Stop judging me. She <laughs> didn't want to know. She wanted you to feel corrected. Yes. Right. yes. That wasn't a real she's, question. It was no, a she's pretty teeny. She's pretty teeny. Yeah. yeah she's, she's a queen. They're her, good, good luck. You're getting in the shoot. Melissa on our uh, viewer asked if you could give one piece of advice to your younger writing self, what would it be? Um, it's funny. I was just thinking yesterday about like this, like, what would I say to myself when I was younger? And then it, I had the thought of like, well, what, what would I say to myself now when it's all the oh. same stuff? Like, <laughs> don't, don't overreact. Nothing that is happening is actually that important because it will be smaller in a couple of years. Like what you're working on now is, I mean, ideally smaller than what's going to come down the pike and like nothing. I like, I think the biggest mistakes I've made have been like trying to, um, like just taking everything as this is going to be forever, like the ups and the downs, um, that it's like, it's all information. It's like, oh, cool. That went well. Great. That's information. Why did that go well? Or what about this went well? Um, and like, yeah, I, I also, I mean, like, I think I'm grateful to my younger self. I would say thank you. Cause I, I worked I like, well, went to a lot of open mics and stuff that I would not want to go to now. <laughs> like, I'm glad I did when I was in my twenties, like, Ooh, talking to people. Ooh. Um, I love that reframing that question because you're right. I would tell my younger self the same thing I tell myself now, which is do the work, dumbass. Yeah, I, that is the right? other thing is like I I'm a big person. Like I think about 
something for like, I've had a, my feature idea is something that's been kind of fully formed in my head for three years that I then at some point in the next week or two, I'm going to, I have, I have a deadline, so I'm going to pour it all out. But that was how I wrote this show that I'm doing with Freeform was like, it was a sketch idea that was too complicated that I just poured out, but it's, it, it is like, I don't know if that's my process or if it's a do the work dumbass. Like we, I, I could, I could be zooming to you from an even nicer garage, <laughs> a gold garage with a lot of cars. I think garage is lovely. Just the way it is. <laughs> do you like the 2009 Hyundai Sonata behind me? It's what really makes it. Can you tell that it's- the tags are expired by looking at it? Yes. Thank you. So for those, for those of us, you know, who aren't stand up, but comedy, you know, is part of our life as well. Even if you write drama, there's going to be some lighter moments, right? Um, and I know that some of our listeners asked about, you know, well, the most, no one asked this directly, but in essence, they're saying, how do you learn to be funny? I mean, they're all asking it in much smarter ways than that. But, um, you know, do you have any advice or people who, for writing comedy, Um, I think it's like someone told me at some point that comedy has no pedigree that like there are all these like theaters and like places that you can perform and take classes and study under people but like ultimately like if TikTok has proven anything like it's just are people laughing or not it doesn't matter who it is and like I think the best advice would be just to not overcomplicate it that like there isn't your intellectual side is not going to be where you get it from. Like I, that's where you end up with clever, which is fine, but um, it's not the same thing as being funny. So I think it's like whatever you do with your friends that makes them laugh. I hesitate to help people be more funny. Cause I do think that like teaching children improv is a uh, child abuse and is just teaching them to live clown lives. So I think if you're not funny, that's good. And you should keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> I'm like, I, it feels genuinely unethical to help people um, <laughs> live a life of comedy. Don't do it. Um, but, but yeah, like it, it's not, you don't, it's not going to be a, a, a big reach outside of yourself. It's just going to be like, loosening up and remembering like what is the thing you laugh about with your your buddies um totally uh, I love that distinction between clever and funny I got I got a note recently and I didn't quite know what it was and it was that I was being clever but then the lost the joke so I was like oh I just have to be funny I have to say what it is instead of hinting around in this way so make the audience work too hard I was like no the audience doesn't want to work too hard they just want to get there and laugh no, and I so. can say that as someone who's consistently clever instead of funny, um, <laughs> like cutie little bon mots um, instead of like, oh, that <laughs> that man fell off of his skateboard and now I'm laughing. You know, <laughs> we're trying to prove something. We're trying to prove we're like like witty is another word. We're like sometimes I'm insulted. Like oh shit, mm-hmm. I'm trying. I'm like, I I want you to see that I wear glasses and like I'm a writer person. You know, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but. Completely. You do wear glasses and you are a writer person. <laughs> but I want people to see that, right? Like sure, I want sure, to be sure. a little on the, the note. Jeff, it's a little on the nose. I know. You, I know. You could, you could I don't even watermark. Need these. these are fake. <laughs> oh God. No, you, just, <laughs> you could watermark your script with a picture of your face. <laughs> so that they know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Aviva asked, um, 
she that she loves hearing about writer's routine. So do you have like a ritual or your routine? Like what's your schedule? How do you get into it? I'm a big, I'm a big candle person. I have a different scent candle for when I'm writing on my own versus when I'm in a room versus when I'm getting notes versus when I'm specifically I can't, I can't relaxing. Tell she's serious. No, I, this is real. Oh my God. <laughs> this, is, this is, this is 100% earnest. I am okay. a big candle person. Okay. Um, what are some of the scents or is that private? And if it's it private, is not private, whenever somebody loves candles or dogs too much, you can tell that they're depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just outing myself. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, no. Just sent me a, a friend just sent me a candle that said um, something about like, I'm, I'm guac because I'm extra or something like that. And I really like the way that one smells. And I'm like, damn it. It's too like, I, it's aggressively attacking me somehow. <laughs> I need to get your friend on this call. What's going on there? Okay, so what is, what is the scent for writing? Yeah, the scent, okay. I, the scent for writing is from a jewelry store in Brooklyn called Catbird. It is called neighbor's fig tree. It smells nice. Um, there's a bunch of scents that are just for women who like jewelry. That's so small that you can't see it. Um, <laughs> this is what they make. Um, and then the Catbird ghost rose is for when I'm relaxing and not writing. Um, and then I have a boy smells neo neo is the name of it. I liked the, I liked the smell and the name was extraordinarily, um, like a vibe that I'm not comfortable with saying out loud, but it is called neo which I think is French for new peach <laughs> that I, <laughs> I, had, I would burn in the first few weeks in my writer's room when we were like, um, uh, coming up with stuff. And then I had a separate candle that Monica Patrick, my co-show runner got us for when we get notes, when the room started. Yeah. What does that smell like? That's what I really want. It know. doesn't really light this. It's one of those wood <laughs> candles. So it hasn't lit long enough for me to smell it, which I don't think was a good sign. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you might want to get a new smell. The candle sure. couldn't take the note of please light say, on fire. And it, yeah. can you like be a candle? They are clearly no. The answer is no. Certainly not. It is. It does have um, flowers and crystals in it, and it was made out of a wine glass, a wine uh, bottle. Okay. But yeah, I, I need a lot of. I need. I grew up Catholic and Jewish, so like candles are a big part of like something is happening now. Um, mm-hmm. And I've heard because I've heard of people having different playlists for different you know moods. Yeah. Or, I've never heard of scent. It's very- Unfortunately, I've discovered that like. I work faster when I'm listening to just bone cold silence, just nothing happening. Like I like, I'll put on like a, like I was cleaning out an apartment the other day and like, I put on a like fun playlist and then just was standing still listening to it. Um, <laughs> I turned it off just a woman's Swiffer wet jetting an apartment in full silence. Um, Can you write anywhere? Like I have the kind of brain that when I get in, my father used to drive him crazy because he would be talking to me and I wouldn't hear a word he said. He thought I was lying, but you could literally walk up and scream fire and I probably wouldn't hear you. Whoa. Like I can go into a coffee shop and just, or do you guys, do you need the silence? Um, I kind of, it depends. I, I, if somebody is nearby chatting to me, I can have a hard time, but like if there's conversation happening, I'm kind of fine. I think just like, coming from New York, it gets you good at like people are nearby, um, divorcing in front of you. And it's like, you, you kind of just give them their privacy by genuinely not hearing it. Um, 
so well, like you, you can tune into it if you want, if it's a good divorce, but if it's just one of those regular subway divorces, you can kind of not hear it. Um, I would, I, for a while I would like, I'd be like, I got to go to the coffee shop to write. Well, I got a shower. Okay. Well, I'm, I, I'm not wearing the right underwear for this coffee shop. I need to go change. And then I'd get there and set up and be like, nope, today is a, um, today is a read my emails day. Like I missed, I missed, I missed the boat of writing. So it was like, I used to be much more location oriented, but something I do need to do. Part of my routine is lying on my front every two hours. I have to lie down. (laughs) I need tummy time like a baby. Otherwise the back of my head gets really flat. So I, I just, I think I have bad posture. And I also, I I think that's the thing that SNL makes is that you need to go lie down a lot because there's, um, big, big couches in our offices. Um, so yeah, I like, I, um, the animation studio we're working with set up an office for me and I went in and it was like, I realized I, I just, they were like, are you going to come back in? Or are you going to use this office? And I realized that I wasn't going in cause it didn't have a couch and I couldn't lie down like a baby, <laughs> which I need to there's, do. <laughs> there's someone, I don't remember who it is. Uh, if it was an executive or a showrunner, she had a bed in her office <gasps> that she full bed pillows, comforter, and she would work from her bed, lie down process, because that is where she felt like the most comfortable and in charge. And I have to figure out who that was. I love that. It's a separate bed too, because like the big, I try not to take zoom calls from my bedroom. Cause then I, when I get in bed at night, it feels like everyone's still kind of in it in the room, but to have a separate bed to work from, and then you go to a sleep bed. Oh my God. Even now we dream. know what you're getting for Christmas. <laughs> sleep Tell bed. Your Honey, sleep bed, sleep, sleep bed. The dog bed. ate a lizard. I need sleep. bed. <laughs> Um, no, I was a big, like, I love working from bed, which that's the best part of running a room is that like, I don't have to worry about, I mostly just have to worry about what will they say about me after I die? I don't have to worry about like, am I allowed to be in bed right now? Cause I am. I have, I have a question for you. How do you turn off that negative judgment voice so that you can do the work if you can, Um, or is it always present was used to be my advice is drink so much alcohol that you get really hurt and sick and then you have to stop. And then coffee is still allowed. You can do a lot of coffee. The negative voice, I guess like, um, yeah, like whatever it is that people do, the combination of therapy and like, um, going for walks. I, I think like I, I set off to live a clown life and was like, I'm never going to another cousin's wedding ever. I just am working. I'm work girl. And it's all about work. And then the pandemic happened and I realized like, oh, it's, I can be, I can live my clown life and also have a life outside of writing, which I think was really important. Like when I have moments of low self-worth, it's because I don't have perspective on what size writing takes up in my life. Um, which is just ridiculous because you're writing things that are going to be seen by people. And if you're not a person, then what you're writing is not going to be good because it's not, um, going to be relatable to anyone who's watching it Yeah, unless those people are also like humorless, um, writers. That's (laughs) super smart. That's super smart. You've got to have a life more personing perspective. Yeah. Go do, go for a while. I find that having a dog is really helpful. It's nice to look into the eyes of someone who loves you, who doesn't know 
anything about what you do. They don't know how computer work. It just, that's the perspective. You need that. Um, also okay. like helping, this is lame, helping other people, being of service, getting outside <laughs> yourself. Ugh. Boring. Oh, I hate me. <laughs> well, you know, that's actually why we do the podcast. It's actually all about getting our own self-loathing. And so you have judgment to. out. That's the only reason we really do it. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> so we can feel better about ourselves. All right. We end every episode uh, episode with guests asking the same three questions. And I want to make sure we have a time to get there. Yeah. So um, what brings you the most joy when it comes to your work? Um, I really, I think it's like the moments while writing where you're just crying, laughing with the person you're writing with. Um, and obviously like seeing an audience then also laugh is quite nice. Um, I think I'm also brought joy by something we put in that is insane that gets no response, which that will always make me laugh the hardest when it's like, oh no, a bunch of people just sat and listened to that and said absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) It's as if the entire audience stands up and in unison says, no, different joke, please. (laughs) Really? They all got on the same page of like, absolutely not. (laughs) All right. So what pisses you off about your work? You got to type it up. That's so hard. Um, And like, pisses me off. Yeah. I'm like not a a naturally an outline person. I guess the hardest, the thing I am getting better at, which is another way of saying you're bad at something. The thing I'm getting better at is like the pitching process and talking about what I'm going to do before I do it. Um, Cause like I came up in a place where you just wrote whatever you felt like and it either did well or didn't, um, which is not how most of the industry works. You kind of have to tell someone what you're going to do with their money before they give it to you um, or after they give it to you. And then they're going to decide if they like the script or not. Um, it was full culture shock where I was like, Oh, I don't know how to tell a non-clown why this will be funny. I think maybe I could write it and it'll be funny. Right, right. But I don't know how to convince you. Or they're like, we didn't understand this thing. What is that? Like, right. Could we do it at the table read? And then people will go, ha, ha, ha. And then it'll be in the show. That's, Um, That's really interesting. That shift over. Yeah. Yeah. And right, Jeff it, has the last one. If there's anything that you've written that you could be remembered for, uh, what would that be? Oh, um, I think <laughs> there. Sometimes you get these little pearls that are just special pearls. Um, that I probably nephew pageant was a sketch I wrote um, for <laughs> with Ad Bryant that was just I I have there are a lot of aunts and nephews in my family and just the love of like the way that nephew card greeting cards are written is really funny to me. Like nephew, you are strong. (laughs) Congratulations on sports. You graduated and I'm so proud of your birthday um, that we wrote a, like a, a beauty pageant for excellent nephews and like what their hobbies. There's no way to, I'm not good at talking about my work out loud. Is that the one with Bowen, Bowen Yang is the, is he in that one too? I'm trying to remember. Um, no, this was before he was on cast. This was Kit Harrington okay. was was the winning nephew. 
Um, oh, okay. And yeah, it was just silly. And I, they, they, it was a good time. Good 80, 80 singing songs about why nephews are beautiful. <laughs> it's just my favorite. Put that on my grave. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much, um, Anna, and to Anna for joining us on the show today. And is there anything you want um, our audience, our listeners to check out that you've done or have coming up? I really want them to check out my episode of The Screenwriting Life. Um, check. Because I think it went really well. I think it went amazing, <laughs> actually. Yes, we all leveled up and were even more talented. Yeah, that's, that's right. Good. Good call. Um, thank, thank you, you so much for having me. It was so much fun. Thank you for being here. It was great. It was really fun. I needed that. I needed those smiles and laughs today. So thank you so much <laughs> for being generous with your, with your funnies. Now go to bed. I'm, <laughs> I go take a nap. <laughs> um, and thanks to you, the listeners, for coming and hanging out with us today. Um, check out our Patreon and the Facebook page, Screenwriting Life. And remember, you are not alone and keep writing. Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash thescreenwritinglife or email us at thescreenwritinglife at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it and not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship, and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.